0: Hey everyone, this is Lynn Barton, and you are listening to the Apex Hour on KSUU Thunder 91.1. In this show, you get more personal time with the guests who visit Southern Utah University from all over, learning more about their stories and opinions beyond their presentations on stage. We will also give you some new music to listen to and hope to turn you on to some new sounds and new genres. You can find us here every Thursday at 3 p.m. or on the web at su.edu slash apex. But for now, welcome to this week's show here on Thunder 91.1. everyone. Well, this has been an absolute adventure today. Um, we are here on a Friday, which is an unusual time for us. Um, this is Lynn Vartan. You're listening to the Apex Hour. Thanks so much for joining us. We're here on a Friday because we just absolutely wanted to make sure that we have our guest online today. And so our guest is zooming in from Ghana. And she's just an amazing um professor, scientist, woman of medicine and inspiration, and her name is Sonia Abujawe. So welcome in, Sonia. How are you?
1: Hi, Lynn. I'm very well. How are you, too?
0: I'm just great. You have been such a trooper. Your t- Apex talk yesterday was so inspiring and so wonderful. And you've been doing class visits with chemistry students, um, a class on perseverance and resilience, and just all kinds of different things. But to start our conversation, can you just tell me a little bit about how your life has developed and who you are now? In case anybody is just getting into your life for the first time.
1: Okay. Um so from growing up um in Ghana um for the first 5 years of my life to um uh being educated in the UK and um training as a speech language pathologist and now taking my skills to Ghana where I am developing the profession of speech-language pathology, um, training um, Ghana's first cohorts of therapists to really go and um, address the multitudes um, of needs of uh, people with communication uh, disabilities. So that's and- what I do.
0: Tell me a little bit about the kinds of, uh, of people that you, I know originally you worked quite a bit with younger people, and now you're working yes. more with a wider range, but um, specific disabilities a bit more and specific um, types of cases like stroke victims, I think. Yes. Yes.
1: Stroke is um, it, among the top 10 uh, killers in um, in Ghana. The number one killer is um malaria actually
2: Ah.
1: and um but stroke is is in the top 10 um partly because of diet lifestyle um stroke is still on the rise in in this part of the world whereas in the west um statistics show that it's it's going down the incidence is going down so um a large part of the adult Caseload is made up of uh, people who have had stroke. Um, and then I also uh, work with quite a lot of stammerers. Stammering is, again, something that um, particularly affects men more than women. Oh, interesting. So, is yeah.
0: That, do, anybody, do we know why that is? Um, men
1: tend to be more fragile when it comes to disabilities in general, actually. Oh,
0: fascinating. I had no idea. You know, whether
1: it's autism, whether it's stammering, you, you typically see more men affected than, than women. Um, I think with stammering in the adult population, it's something like four to one, so four men to every, every woman. Um, so there are quite a few stammering cases. Um, I also see um, people with hearing impairments Um, quite a lot. Um, A lot of children with cerebral palsy, Mm. uh, quite a lot of them also have uh, something called dysphagia, which is difficulty with um, uh, eating, drinking and swallowing. So sometimes they need to have uh, non-oral feeding so either a nasogastric tube or a gastrostomy which is feeding through the stomach directly
0: oh wow
1: or, they, or we need to modify either the texture of food because they they don't know how to chew hmm. or, or you know the the size of food that they're given you know the size of the the portions or the pace at which they are fed. so many different things Oh wow! So dysphagia is a big, big area.
0: I know you've studied quite a bit in audiology and and hearing, and I, I wonder if you might share. Uh, we haven't had a chance to get into the technical aspects of um, treatment, and and I wonder if you could share a bit about that. I mean, as much as it makes sense to, just sort of about how you how treatment occurs in some of these cases.
1: Okay, so in in terms of, um, for example, name any of those disorders that you're particularly interested
0: in. Yeah, you were talking about the dysphagia, which is really interesting. I'm curious dysphagia. about how you work with stroke patients and speech rehabilitation, for example.
1: Okay, a stroke is like um, throwing a stone at a pane of glass, um, if you throw a if you throw a stone at a pane of glass, the way that it will crack will be different to how it would crack if you know I threw a stone. So what I'm trying to show is that for stroke, the the impact can be different,
2: mm. and it
1: can be wide ranging. Um, so, and everybody is slightly different. So, and part of that, the reason for that is um, where in the brain was affected by the stroke you know um one of the um so initially when we when patients are referred to us we look at the medical history we look at you know the ct scan or the mri um and then we undertake various assessments so um we, we look at, you know, whether there's paralysis, we test, um, we get them to do various tests to see which cranial nerves may have been, um, affected.
2: Mm.
1: Yeah. Um, to know, um, to kind of, um, steer us towards particular types of, um, rehabilitation. Um, one of the things that we often see is that um, people uh, find it difficult to remember the names of things right. when they've had stroke I see. In, in quite a lot of cases. So they'll see, you, you'll show them a picture and they will recognise it, but they can't get the word out. So there's a disconnect between that part of the brain that recognises and that part of the brain that stores the names. And what we try to do is to link those, join, join them up again, because they've been disconnected by the stroke. Um, And we have various techniques for doing that.
0: Well, that's just wonderful to kind of get a little bit more of a specific idea of what the kind of rehabilitation, what the process is like. So thank you for sharing those things. One of the things that we talked about a bit yesterday was about the the numbers of people in your field uh in Africa uh, in in Ghana specifically um and how that's been evolving um since you've been there and I wonder if you could comment a little bit more about that and share that with us. Yeah, um I think um well I let me go back
1: to 2003, because that's when I first um, really um, wet my feet in terms of speech language pathology in Ghana. And at that point, there were two speech and language therapists, both of whom trained in the United States, actually, ah, in the um, late 70s, early 80s. But, uh, you know, they hadn't been able to uh, train up anybody because no courses had been established or anything like that. So it was um, really, uh, I think it was 2013 when the first speech language course was was started um, at at my university. And um, it, it was very difficult to even recruit people because people didn't know what, what speech and language therapy is? Right. I mean, even in the West, people struggle to get their heads around it. Yeah. Um, and so people, you know, didn't sign up for the course. And initially they just uh, assigned people to that course because they couldn't give them a place on any other course. And, um, and so the first cohort was four students. One of whom dropped out because he was like, "I can't do this. What is this?" <laughs> and um, there was one speech therapist, um, a male, who was who was uh, teaching the the clinical aspect of things, and then he he left after a year. So um, the second year they didn't recruit. They were thinking about closing down the course and putting these people elsewhere to, on other courses and they said they wouldn't they wouldn't leave they wanted to you know they'd become enamored by the the, the the course of study the field of study and they were determined to see it through um and eventually they managed to get various part-time uh, speech language therapists to come in and and support but it wasn't until i came in 2018 really that um uh, numbers started to, to go up and the profile of, um, of this field started to to, to go up. Um, there's now a, a master's in speech language pathology course um, that was launched a couple of years ago at um, the University of Ghana. Um, and that's a two-year Course, so people who graduated in other programs can can retrain, um, but they only accept students every every two years. So they take twelve students every other year. So it's going to take a long time, <laughs> yeah. unless we can get other programs going.
0: And we should say that the population of Ghana is how many people? It's. Getting to 30 million. Right. And so we're talking about now, I mean, when you started just a handful and even yeah. still just essentially a handful. 25. 25, yeah, 25. servicing millions. And that's just, yeah. I mean, what a For hero. a ratio spark. of, yeah,
1: of one, one therapist to one point something million.
0: Wow. It's, it's not, it's not great, is it? I mean, it's staggering in the conversation with one of the students, they were saying that in our county in Iron County alone, they had something like one full time person always with four assistants. And to compare wow. that to, and that's in our small county compared to those numbers. So it's really interesting. I mean, you have done so much work to increase it and bring attention to it. So um, I'd love to get into more on that. But one of the things I was so excited to do with you this hour is to mm. share music from Ghana. Oh, and yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you have given me a few. We'll try to get through as many of them as possible. But the first one, and I thought you might be able to tell us a little bit about each of them, is a daddy- Lumba song called Obi uh-huh. Ate Me So Buo, is that correct? Yes. Yes. Tell us a little bit about why you put that song in here and, and what we're gonna hear.
1: Okay, so this song I, I actually primarily chose it because of the drums. Ah. And I know that you're a percussionist. Yes. <laughs> so um, I and and drumming is such a, a big aspect of Ghanaian culture. And so this, this song um, fuses traditional drumming alongside um, High Life, which is um, a, a genre of, of music which is very popular here.
0: High Life um, is a great style. It, sorry. High Life yeah. is a great style.
1: Yeah. And, um, but the song itself is, um, is a message to your ex, saying that somebody loves you even if he doesn't that's essentially what
2: it says
0: well here you go daddy Lumba. obi ate me so bo Okay. okay, so welcome back to the Apex Hour. That song was Obiate Me So Bo" by Daddy Lumba. And those of you who are listening might have gotten a little extra part of our conversation because we're still having a bit of technical issues. But in the meantime, let's welcome back Sonia Abujawe. Thank you so much for sharing that song. And I think you'll definitely need to unmute now um and then we'll continue our conversation.
1: Yeah, sure.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much for your patience on that. Um one of the things that's been interesting is to um uh, kind of uh, talk in your story specifically about the sense of identity and how identity plays out in so many different ways, and I'm just um, so inspired by the openness and warmth, which with. You have approached all of your um, d- different uh, senses of identity um, as a woman in science, as a Ghanaian-born woman returning to Ghana, uh, as as a as a student, as a woman from Africa raised in Wimbledon, raised in the UK, and I wonder if you just might talk in a little more depth about um, that path of identity and some of the things that you felt, and maybe we can get into it a little bit deeper than we have had uh, before.
1: Mm. I mean, um, growing up in, in the UK, um, even I, 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 grew up as you, as you just mentioned in Wimbledon, which was um, and continues to be a very um, white um upper upper class upper middle class um part of the world and um, you know i was the only only black girl in my school um, similarly when i went to university i was the only black person on my course and um but i i didn't really define myself by my color i just defined myself by Values, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, occasionally, obviously, I'd be reminded of my of my color, you know, of my difference, um, and you know, um, people's perceptions, uh, negative perceptions mm. sometimes. But um, I didn't define myself based on um, my gender or my color. I just def- define myself based on. Um, uh my values and my um yeah, my 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 personal outlook. Right. It's it it's as you know, being in Ghana now, I think um I still define myself based on my values, but I, I find that because people people's perception of me is of um, being an outsider somebody who's an Ubuni and somebody who's a woman and somebody who's quite outspoken I have to kind of um, uh, deal with that you know their perceptions and and um, uh, kind of like fight back mm. against that but I don't necessarily define myself in those terms. Mm does that make sense
0: yeah do you think that that came from your parents i mean or is that just a a a natural feeling you know i just wonder where that uh really incredible sense of self
1: funny thing is yeah the really funny thing is i didn't become really uh, conscious of myself, my colour, until I actually moved back to Ghana mm-hmm. initially um, as a as a teenager um, when I came here um, to boarding school. Um, and that was the first time that I was made aware that there were shades of black.
0: Yeah, interesting.
1: Right? And I I just knew that, you know, you were either black or you were white or you were Indian or you were Chinese. Yeah, you know, but... I didn't realize that there were fair-skinned black people, black, black, black people, you know, and that people, black people were graded according to their shape. And huh. that was a real shock, you know. And I realized that I'd been very lucky in a way growing up in uh, where I had been because people were so accepting of me. I, I wanna... And I had friends of all nationalities and...
0: Yeah, I, I want to get into that a little bit more because um, that that reminds me a bit of uh, you know, I live in Utah now, but coming from Los Angeles, you know, I, uh, I, I, let's just take the gender part of it. You know, people ask me a lot more now. You know, how do you feel about being a female percussionist, a female in music, or this kind of thing? I, I get that question a lot more now than I used to. And I remember thinking that, well, in Los Angeles, I never really thought anything of it because you're just immersed in it. And, and, and actually the racial component as well, you know, again, not really, uh, I mean, having such a, um, a diverse population, and then coming to a more homogenous population, um, that becomes a little bit more clear. It sounds a bit similar. So, your time yeah. in England was perhaps more diverse, and then you come to a more homogenous environment. How did that affect you? How did that make you feel? Um, and, and how did you deal with that?
1: Yeah. So, I was, I realized that um, people were judging me based on my color. And, you know, I was, because I'm at the the blacker (laughs) end of the spectrum, Mm. if you know what I mean. Um, Suddenly I I kind of wondered whether I was not particularly attractive. Mm. Um, And it was very interesting because one of my best, well, two of my best friends were very, very, very fair skinned. You know one one was mixed race, and one just happened to be very, very fair. And I saw how people um gravitated towards them. And then I was a kind of afterthought. And that was really that was that was weird. Mm. Uh, and it was not what I expected. Hmm. I didn't expect to go to, you know, my ancestral country. Um, yeah. I, I should say that I was born in in UK. I wasn't born in Ghana. Oh right, just clarify that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, um and and actually have that experience of almost being discriminated against because of the shade of my skin. Yeah. Yet I felt less discriminated against in that sense. Yeah, when I had been back in in the UK.
0: What. Do, do you think there are any, you know, lessons to be learned on a global scale? You know, in the United States, um, we are, we're having really intense conversations about race and, and about, um, diversity and discrimination, all these things. And I wonder if, if your experience and uh, I wonder if you have any, uh, advice on, on what we can learn or what we can do based on your unique experience
1: um I would say that um, it goes back to what I I mentioned in my talk which is that we need to look beyond um, what we can see you know judging people based on their size whether they're fat whether they're thin um, you know going beyond these tangibles and looking at the, the the essence of who we are as human beings and that that essence it has no color has no size has no shape but is the most alive and dynamic part of us and I think if we go back to that then we'll be on the right
0: path oh that's beautiful thank you for that well I think it's time for another song and the, the second one that I have uh is an artist uh Kojo Antwi um I don't know if I'm saying that and the yeah, song, Kojo Antwi yeah. and the song is Bomi No Kom day and I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about that song
1: <laughs> yeah that's, um, it's uh, it's an uplifting song uh, it's one of the songs the first um, songs that I came across when I moved to Ghana as a teenager and all it is is simply sweet talking to your loved one <laughs> talking sharing sweet things that's all That's fabulous. And
0: I want to make sure everybody knows that if you're interested in any of this music, I put it all in the played on Apex Hour uh, playlist, which is an open playlist on Spotify. Uh, You can just find it by searching played by Apex Hour. And it's a playlist created by me, Lynn Vartan. Or you can go to our website, which is su.edu slash Apex and look under podcasts and the playlist link will be there as well. So let's check out some of these Ghanaian art, artists here on KSU Youth Under 91.1. 91. One. 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 Well it's, well, it's hard, hard not, not to, to feel good when you're listening to that. That's for sure. Uh, this is the <laughs> Apex Hour. You're listening to KSU Youth Under 91.1. That song was Bomi Kyo Day," uh, And it's just, you know, a, an artist from Ghana that we've been introduced to by our guest, Sonia Abujawe. Welcome back, Sonia. Thank you. Well, I want to ask you about music because that's something that we have been connecting on quite a bit. And I know that uh, art in general is really important to you and um, music. And then in Ghana, you were talking about how dance is just a an encultured part of daily activity. And I wonder if you might comment about your feelings about music and the arts and, um, you know, just how you feel about that.
1: Yeah, I think music is a thread that um, runs throughout life here, whether um, in traditional culture we have um, tribal dances, um, which often are accompanied by different um, drumming traditions. So um, each tribe has its own way of drumming and, and you know, its own style of um, of. Of dancing some of the dances are warrior dances some are um dances to entice men <laughs> some are designed to show off men's virility um so we have the the tribal dances then we also have um the uh, the dances that uh, um, uh, you know in church church when you go ah. to church in Ghana you dance
3: oh wow which is
1: not which is not uh, so when you're going to um, make give to the collection you uh, you dance on the way you know and they'll be playing music I know I, the first beautiful. time I went I was like wow so it's very very uh, lively and then we have dance as an everyday thing so. Sometimes people will do, um, you know, rallies in town, um, maybe for a political party, and you'll have a whole bunch of supporters and they'll all be jogging and dancing. and everything. <laughs> it's just, Or people will, you'll just be walking down the road and there'll be some music playing and you'll have a, a young boy or girl really making some amazing moves. And it's just, people just seem to have this, ingrained you know desire to express themselves through dance oh wow it's, it's just part of the national identity the national character it's a fabric of being, part of the fiber of being a a Ghanaian uh. yeah
0: that's incredible. Well, I know that, you know, we've been talking a lot about science, but you know, we've, these musical artists that you sent to me, I want to make sure to get to at least one more. And um, I know that there is one that holds a special place for you that you really wanted us to get to. So I wonder, can you tell us about that song and the artists and the comp- the collaboration and what we're going to hear? Yeah.
1: Okay. This, this, um this artist, um. I'm just trying to remember the full name because um, she's, she's not actually a Ghanaian artist. She's um, from Eastern, Eastern, Southeast Africa. And, but this song, um, Jerusalem has um, become an anthem for the whole of Africa. If you listen to it, it just gives you tingles and, there's just um, a pride and a confidence and a joy that c- comes through with this song, which is, you know, saying that, you know, no matter all, what our challenges are on this continent, we are um, a proud people and we're proud of our heritage and we are a beautiful group of people and you are welcome in into our world. So I just want to share the spirit of Africa with everyone listening.
0: Well, perfect. The song is Jerusalemma. And um, yeah, listen, have a listen. Here you go.
3: i e No lo sé Su hambre me ha mordao y a mí ay cola Wow. Wow. Well, that
0: song is very special that is jerusalemma and the artist is Nomsebo sebo zikode um though if you will look for it on spotify you can find it with by master kg as the primary artist so you can definitely check that out that is the recommendation by our guest today and i'm so glad that we listened to it you're absolutely right the tingles you can just feel it um sonia Abojawe is our our guest welcome back
1: Thank you. Thank you. I'm
0: glad you like that song. Oh man, I love it. I just feel like I I need to hear that, you know, at least every every other day to like help me get through <laughs> things, you know. <laughs> So thank you for sharing. It has a beautiful anthem quality and her voice is just Amazing. so incredible and so rich. So we have just a few minutes and there's two things that I want to hit. One is I want to talk about um, for anybody who listens to this uh, and maybe gets really turned on by what you do and and what you're doing. Uh, what I know that there are so many needs, um, you know, yes. to to really further speech pathology and speech therapy in Ghana. And I wonder if you could share with us, um, you know, some of the things we might not think about that might be helpful or might be useful um, to you.
1: Yeah. Um, so one of the things that we really want to promote right now is early intervention. So um, we want to um, be able to screen children um, at birth for hearing hearing defects so we want to be able to get equipment to do that so um, auto acoustic um, emission uh, testers just little uh, devices that test um, the, the functioning of the, of the ear and it means that we can pick up kids you know within the first few days of life who have hearing impairment instead of seeing them when they're five or six years old, by which time you know, it, it can be too late. The other thing is that um, a lot of kids here have um, uh, middle ear infections. And again, we would like to be able to diagnose those um, through um, equipment such as um, a tympanometer so that we can go into schools and and nurseries and um, just test children um, and also provide support for adults. So that under the umbrella of early intervention is really where we want to go um, to facilitate um, better outcomes and to prevent any difficulties becoming entrenched.
0: And you were saying that sometimes we may not even be aware that some of our devices that, that we um, upgrade on a more regular basis, you know, we might have ones that could be particularly helpful. So um, there are a lot of ways to kind of reach out and, and maybe help and, and um, get connected. So if there's yeah, anyone absolutely. out there listening, um, you know, uh, do you want to maybe provide us with a, a, a website for the university or your area?
1: Yeah. So um, the university's uh, website is um, uhas. Um, dot edu. Dot gh. So uhas is u h a s. Dot edu. Dot gh. Um, so that's the university website, and um, and you can just do a search for me, um, Sonia Aboaji and and uh just reach out to me um but yeah um it's like how we change telephones in you know every couple of years you know or every year if you have an iphone literally there's an upgrade right and um it doesn't mean that the previous version is you know obsolete it just means that you can get you know new new um new things, new, new, uh, do new tricks with, with the latest version. Um, and what we're saying is that, um, we'd be really happy to have the old version right? because it can still do a lot for the the people that we work with.
0: Great. Thank you. And my last question for you is a question that I ask every guest and it's what's turning you on this week. And it doesn't have to be anything technical. It can be a a book or a food or a favorite mm-hmm. designer, or, you know, some people say a TV show. So Sonia, okay. Amejave, I want to ask you, what is turning you on this week?
1: Okay, so I've got two books. One is The Courage to be Disliked, which is um, by Ichiro Kishimi and Fumitaki Koga. Ah, And the other one is uh, The Things the Things You Can See Only When You Slow Down, which I, I mentioned earlier. Those are the two books, you know, I'm and, reading one, then the other.
0: And who's the author up. of The Things You Can See? Yeah, that. Um,
1: Haman Su, Sunim. Okay. I'm sure that's not the correct pronunciation.
0: The S-U-N-I-M um, in case anybody wants. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you.
1: It's a Korean name.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> Perfect. Well, that's all the time that we have. So Sonia, this was just great. Thank you for bearing with us. And thank Thank you for zooming in all the way from Ghana. And um, it's just been absolutely a pleasure to talk to you. So um, I look forward to continue the conversation and in more to come. But thanks, Sonia, so much.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Lynn. Bye bye.
0: Thanks so much for listening to the Apex Hour here on KSUU Thunder 91.1. Come find us again next Thursday at 3 p.m. for more conversations with the visiting guests at Southern Utah University and new music to discover for your next playlist. And in the meantime, we would love to see you at our events on campus. To find out more, check out suu.edu slash apex. Until next week, this is Lynn Vartan saying goodbye from the Apex Hour here on Thunder 91.1.